Welcome to Northwest by Night, Tales of the West Coast. Vancouver is known for a lot of things. Snowy mountains, sandy beaches, good restaurants, beautiful natural parks full of abundant wildlife. One thing it's not known for is shark attacks. But at the beginning of the 20th century, Vancouver was the site of not one, but two incidents of sharks being aggressive towards people, which is sufficiently strange enough to warrant a quick podcast. Today on Northwest by Night, we're going to look at Vancouver shark attacks. What a weird thing to say. The coastal waters of British Columbia are cold. Like, really cold. If you fell off a boat in the middle of the Georgia Strait in winter, it would take five minutes for hypothermia to start setting in, half an hour to fall unconscious, and an hour to die. A lot of marine life here has adapted to these chilly conditions, but sharks are not known for their ability to handle freezing water, and they're more associated with the tropics than the temperate coasts. Sure, some sharks have adapted. For example, the Greenland shark is found in Arctic waters, but they live slow, steady, peaceful lives, and they're downright friendly, as far as apex predators go. The kinds of sharks that are known for biting humans, like great whites, tiger or bull sharks, prefer to hang out in sunnier climates. But Vancouver, situated at 49 degrees north, was the site of two different shark attacks, with the first taking place in 1905 and the second occurring in 1925, and there's no clear reason why. So in 1905, Vancouver was only a small city, with miles of natural beaches and acres of farmland surrounding its downtown core. There was no Lionsgate Bridge. The ferry across Burrard Inlet to North Vancouver had only been in operation for five years, and an 80-acre farm partially cleared near Surrey would have cost you $40 per acre. The first auto dealership had just opened. It was a very different place than it is today. You could swim in False Creek without any worry of pollution or being hit by a yacht. And that's just what eight-year-old Harry Menzies was doing on the bright and balmy evening of July 5th. He was wading in the water, not far from other swimmers, when Ed Dusenberry saw a wave approaching from deeper water. Dusenberry rented boats to tourists along Falls Creek, and at first he thought it was another boy swimming up to grab Harry's leg. But a dorsal fin broke the surface of the water, and Ed realized the boy was in peril. He called out to Harry, who started to run for shore. As people watched in horror, An 1,100-pound shark flung itself into the shallows, attempting to snatch the boy and managing to beach itself in the process. Dusenberry grabbed a pike from near his boats and stabbed the shark to death. Always a businessman, Dusenberry then used old sails to erect a tent over the 11-foot, 4-inch carcass and charged the curious public 10 cents to view it. For the next few days, it was seen by many people but no one ever determined how a shark, described as the genuine Hawaiian man-eating variety, ended up in False Creek. There's seven kinds of shark that are common to BC waters, and none of them can be described as man-eating. Currently the largest is the Pacific six-gill shark, which can grow to a length of 16 feet. 
At the start of the 20th century, the basking shark would have been the biggest shark in Pacific Northwest waters, reaching lengths up to 33 feet. They swam in groups that contained hundreds of individuals, each one the size of a bus, and all of them peacefully floating along the surface with their mouths open to catch plankton. However, they would get entangled in fishermen's nets, and they were seen as a pest and a nuisance, and they became the target of a particularly effective cull that started in 1955 and took place over 14 years. Boats were especially outfitted with massive blades on their hulls that would effectively slice the poor things in two. Pacific basking sharks were listed as endangered in 2010, and in a good year people might spot two of these huge fish off the coast, and almost never in Georgia Strait. But basking sharks would avoid humans, rather than attack them. In January 1925, the second shark attack took place, but this one was certainly not a basking shark. John Bruce was a diver who worked for the city of Vancouver, and who had been assigned to fix a broken water main 95 feet under the second narrows. He was surveying the pipes when a dark shadow swam out of the depths towards him, and he could barely believe his eyes as a six-foot-long shark cruised past. He prodded the shark to get it to leave, but this only aggravated it, and the shark made three lunges at him. Do sharks lunge? That doesn't seem like quite the right word. But for 15 minutes, he flung punches at it, pushing it and trying to dodge its teeth. He didn't dare to pull his signal cord, afraid that the shark would seize his leg if he was pulled to the surface. Eventually, he managed to hit it on the head with an iron bar that he normally carried as protection against octopuses. The blow killed the shark. John Bruce attached the remains to a line and hauled the carcass out with him, to the surprise and bewilderment of his co-workers. Honestly, after doing a bit of research into these two shark attacks, I'm struck with how rarely humans are hurt by them, and how often it's the shark that comes out the loser. Neither Harry Menzies nor John Bruce received a single scratch from their attacks. In fact, the newspaper report that followed Bruce's encounter made a point of saying how exhausted he was by the whole ordeal, yet he was able to come back to work two days later. Meanwhile, the sharks were battered, stabbed, gutted alive, put on display, and basically used to inspire fear in everyone who saw them. That same disregard helped to fuel the eradication of the basking shark in these waters, which were considered annoying rather than an integral part of the ecosystem that had swum here for thousands of years. I guess what I'm trying to say is these stories are interesting tidbits from BC history, but no matter how scary a shark may seem, you're statistically more dangerous to it than it is to you. So that's this week's episode of Northwest by Night. I'm Kim Bannerman, and we're going to take a little vacation for the next two weeks, but we'll be back on January 7th, and I hope you'll join us. Until then, visit us at northwestbynight.com. We're closing out the year with Sean Pickett's song, Astoria. See you in 2020. Thank you.